I'm Aysan, and this is the Champions League semi-final second leg preview. It's the podcast that finds itself far more relaxed than it really should be. Uh, joining me, I guess in a less relaxed manner, is the man, the legend, <laughs> and the birthday boy today, Mr. Howard Hawking. Many happy returns, boss. How are you doing? Thank you. Uh, I'm okay. Last week, I was thinking about lead-up to the match for about three days, so... Bit weird. I'm sure I'll be a bag of nerves later, but mm. I don't know. Maybe I've got other things to occupy me this week, or which day. is the key in a way. But last week I was just walking around the house for two days, not getting anything done. So yeah, it's a bit weird in a way. Uh, don't you think it's to do with the fact that we're winning? Don't you think even at nil nil you'd be far more nervous? Yeah, perhaps. That would be very relaxed if we'd lost five nil in the first leg. So. <laughs> <laughs> because it'd be done. So yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just yeah, uh, it helps. Obviously, the score helps, but I don't think we're anywhere near. You know, sort of friend before United fan. She she said, "Oh, I thought you were pretty much through to the final." I was like, "No, nowhere near." So not as if we've were ninety nine percent certain to go through. You know, mm. but yeah, I think obviously the comeback in the second half does help. So. Good. Well, look, what you just said leads me very nicely to my opening question for you today. And that is that, um, I've seen, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a building conversation amongst Blues in the last five or six days that actually we were fluky against Paris last weekend, that we scored from two set pieces, that we didn't really create anything outside of the set pieces, that the possession was sterile for one, of a better word, and that because of the number, like I think that Paris scored, you know, four goals against Barcelona away from home, four or five against Bayern away from home. So the idea being everybody's kind of looking at it going, this game is a long way from done. So my opening question is twofold. Were we lucky last week um, or was the result deserved? And then how, you know, is this game a long way from done, as I just uh, characterised it? I sort of think you know, I saw United fans saying afterwards. Bizarre angle to take after. The thing about the second half is you've got to take it in conjunction with the first half. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just as a second half, oh, yeah, we didn't create many chances. Well, strictly speaking, that's true. But we're on the ropes at half time, so you've got to you've got to use the context of the turnaround at half time and how Pep co- co- completely changed the nature of the game. Look, if PSG had scored those two goals, no one was saying to def- and dominate the second half. No one would have said they fluked the game. No one said Liverpool fluked wins against us when Edison spoons, you know, sliced the ball to Salah or whatever. It's, that's part of football. Okay. That that first goal can be considered fortunate in a way, but you see it quite a lot. You curl a ball into the far post, the keeper's undecided on what to do. And, you know, because he's expecting a touch from an onrushing attacker, it goes straight in. It is a bit of a fluke in a way, but it's not a total fluke, because if you put it in that area, that's what can happen, and it does happen occasionally in games. The second goal, again, well, they made a mistake in a way, but that's part of football. Doesn't mean we've just fluked our way to victory. I think if you if you're a glass half empty type person, you can say, 
that's our concern. We dominated and we've been there before. Obviously, City have been there before as a team. Dominated, but not create enough clear-cut chances. But if you score goals, then it doesn't matter how they go in. And we don't, if they hadn't scored them, we don't know if they would have attacked more and created late in that game and really gone for it, especially after the red card. So I think it's a bizarre angle to take in a way. There is that little nagging doubt that you can dominate with the City team. And obviously, with no killer striker, not put games to bed. But I'm amazed that a City fan could come out after that second half and see a negative aspect to it, considering what went before it. Mm. So, I think, look, I think it's no, I think you did ask also, is it? No, it's nowhere near over. We're halfway there. We've turned, we've turned around the first leg. There is still tons of work to do. Uh, you know, I like quoted odds. So yeah, they're PSG are like six to one to qualify, which astounds me in a way. I still think two games in empty stadiums, there's very little advantage being at home and it can actually suit away teams. The bigger question, which we'll come to, is how both managers react to that second half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, my take on that is very much that um, when people say that City didn't create a lot from open play, they didn't need to. So they scored the away goal 55 minutes into the game, right? So 10, 15 minutes into the second half, um, they got their away goal. And I think that at 1-1, they don't really need to do anything else. Do you understand what I mean? Like you, yeah. you take one-one away from home. If you're going back home for the second leg, you take that all day long. And actually, you'd be remiss at one-one to start throwing bodies forward because you don't want to lose the tie at one-one. It's a perfect result. And then to get the second from the set piece to make it two-one. Well, then even with ten men, there's just no point in risking. I've seen. It's something that I've I've heard a few people say, and I've heard a few people say it in a disparaging way about City, that a more I've heard people say a more confident attacking team smells blood and goes for the jugular. No, no children, don't speak like that, because that's exactly how Paris Bayern ended up a basketball game, and there's that's exactly how Paris ended up going through because a basketball game suited them. So absolutely not. Like that would have been the height of naivety to start just throwing bodies forward and then concede a daft goal on the counter attack when you're playing against 10 men. So now I'm, I'm more than, uh, more than happy with the, uh, with the with the approach to it and the result uh, and everything that that kind of surrounded it, um, right? So, what surprised you the most, and what pleased you the most about that game? Before we turn our attention to tonight, yeah, what surprised you the most about the game last week, and what pleased you the most? <laughs> the first half and the second half. <laughs> I think it's that simple. Uh, at half time, it was just a case of I knew Pep would do something. I knew he'd tinker. I knew he'd know why that first half didn't go that well and would be better. But I couldn't have asked for more than that second half. 
uh, irrespective of chances created, how much we just suffocated PSG after the, you know, cause of so many problems in the first half. But if what's surprised, that in a way that's pleased and surprised, but I think that first half did surprise me. Mm. I thought it was hard to say. I knew it wouldn't be like a basket, or Pep Cersei would not want it to be a basketball game. He wouldn't want the chaos of like the buying match. I thought it'd be pretty cautious. And after the first few minutes, City were probing a bit. It seemed to be that sort of game. It did surprise me how unaware City, yeah, on the back foot they were for a portion of that first half. But, yeah, I think going into this second leg, what if the if the halves had happened a different way around would be a lot more negative now. Mm. But I'm obviously more positive because Pep reacted, changed it, and completely changed the dynamic of the game with the same players. Obviously, Zinchenko came on and made a difference, but City had already, already semi-turned that game around by the time he came on and Cancelo went off. So for me, obviously, yeah, the pleasing thing was, I mean, the moment we score an away goal, that's... <laughs> that's just huge. So that's pleasing. But yeah, that it's all about taking on that second half performance now into this second leg. Mm. The key is though, I don't think basically I don't think Pochettino can put the side out the same as he did in the first leg. And I don't think Pep will think, right, we'll just do exactly what we did in that second half of the first leg. Because he'll know that Pochettino's going to do something different. So it's like a game of chess now, where I think the game could start with, again, tinkering and both managers trying to work out you know, what the other one is doing, in a way. Because there's no way... I mean, obviously, we've got this... I don't know if you've discussed with Steve, done a video with him, haven't you? Yeah. The Mbappé question. Uh, is he, he pretending to be injured? I think I expect him to be on the team sheet. Yeah. But even think- if he starts... Mm-hmm. You know, Pochettino could do something different and have like sort of Cardi and a striker on just to deal with how stifled Mbappe was by Walker in the first leg. I think Pochettino's going to do something different. There's going to be a player. Obviously, he's got a player suspended as well, get Idrissa Gay. So they're weakened with that. But I think he will do something different up front. But I think Pep will expect that. And I, yeah, whilst I was pleased with that second half, I still think everything changes again now. We're kind of like, you know, wipe the slate clean and we start again with a, ta- a new tactical battle between two managers. Yeah, I'm not... I slightly disagree with you. I don't expect Pochettino to do much of anything different tonight because... I hope you're right. I think that Pochettino will look at... I think it's one of those weird games where I think Pochettino will look at the first half, Right and go, you just need to play like that. Yeah, you need Mm. to play with that intensity and you need to play like that. Um, I think the other slight issue that Pochettino has is I think that Idris Agay is a massive, massive miss for them in the same way that when we didn't have Rodri, if we didn't have Fernandinho, it was a little bit like there's some games that you can kind of go, it's fine, like, you know, mid-table Premier League game. It's fine, Gundo can play there. Semi-final of Champions League, second leg against one of the best teams in the world. If Fernandinho isn't available, you almost have to take another half a step back, in my opinion. And so when we talk about how Paris approached the game tonight without Idris Agay, 
I'm curious as to whether Poch doesn't even go even more negative, yeah? Or doesn't have the team sat even more deep, almost playing dead in the hope that in the first half, they would play, played with so much intensity in the first leg that in the second half, they had no legs and City killed them. And I wonder if he tries to flip that tonight and they play absolutely dead first 40-45 and their only mission is to not concede a goal. Would you do I mean, that if you were Pochettino? It depends in a way if, what, if you think that second half was because they were blowing out their asses, or because City just pressed, moved players upfield, changed position of players, and they couldn't get out. I I can't agree that they were absolutely knackered. You know, I think it was Pep's tactical changes. I'm surprised, in a way, that Pochettino didn't react at all in that second half much. So if it was the tactical changes, then Pochettino might be thinking, well, he's just going to do that second half. That's what Pep's going to do. He's going to say... What you did in that first half was too timid, to, uh, so you, we need to press from the beginning, which may force Pochettino to perhaps tinker with the lineup. But as we don't even know if Mbappe's fully fit, it's all this buts and maybes, I guess. Yeah, I think in the first leg, you knew, you know, people like looking at the PSG lineup go, whew, that's good. But we knew that was going to be the lineup. So I think it'd be a bit more interesting this second leg that he may do something different. Oh, he may not, yeah. But Will he be? Well, the key team, they've got to score twice. So, you know, don't want to be defeatist, but if you could say City lose 1 0 right now, okay, well, go on then. That gets us through to a final. Mm. So, if you're playing dead the first half, then you're lessening the time where you've got to go and get two goals. So, but on the flip side, with this damn away goal thing, he, he won't want to concede first either. So it's one of those games where the first goal, if City get the first goal, it doesn't kill the tie, but it's huge, absolutely huge. Mm. Because then they get, they need two just to get level. And at any point we get another, obviously, they need three. So, I, yeah, who know, I don't know how to approach it. it could, I don't think City will come out the the traps. They want to press, but they're not going to go gung-ho trying to get that goal because they don't need to. Uh, so I think the key, in a way, is how Pochettino sends out uh, Paris Saint-Germain to be on the front foot immediately, or like you say, wait a bit of time. Mm. And again, I say it's a bit of a chess match in a way. I think so. I think so. How do you feel about... I just had this long chat with Steve on the video about Fernandinho versus Rodri. Um, and I kind of taught myself... I talked, I've talked myself into... Fernandinho starting over Rodri tonight. So my first question is, do you think that's possible? Well, we have to factor in that we subbed off after, I don't know, 65, 66 minutes at the mm. weekend. He wasn't injured, was he? No. Yeah. Uh, the other birthday boy, Fernandinho. So he's 36 now. So Wow. Let's hope he's not been celebrating today. It's... <laughs> Why was he subbed? Yeah. I don't think he'd run out of steam. It was not the most tactical of matches, was it, by that point? Zitu on top. I think it's perfectly possible he'll start, yeah. As for Doe wanted to, I've no idea. 
<laughs> I mean, part of that, Rodri started slowly and Rodri can start matches slowly where it all passes him about. You know, things pass him by and he's sloppy with the passing, but he grows into matches. His pet might just be thinking, look, this is, it's the semi- second leg semi-final. The nous, the experience, the know-how. It screams Fernandinho. So yeah, it's possible he starts. I um, The argument that I made on the video was that exactly what you just said, that actually Rodri started really slowly, right? And what we're going to need, I think, is to not be that bad in the first 30 minutes of the game. And I wonder whether it's almost like that number six position tonight is going to be half and half. That it's not going to be one half Ferner, one half Rodri, but that Ferner starts, does the first hour to keep everything under control, yeah? And to be Fernandinho and to bring that experience and also to bring that tireless energy and also to bring that little bit of, I know you, Neymar, we play for the same international team. And do you know what I mean? Like just to stick... Stick Ferner in there to kind of go, right, you need to be a disruptive presence tonight and, and basically be Fernandinho at your best. Um, and then on the hour mark, you hope that you've gotten yourself to the hour mark, either at nil nil or even better at one nil to you. And then you bring Rodri on for the last 30 and you, uh, and you see the game out. So. Especially if Fernandinho has picked up his customary yellow card by this point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But then the other thing, um, I guess I'm repeating myself, but very quickly, just from the video, I said that, you know, Pep will know that Pochettino and all the Paris analysts will have watched the Palace lineup and substitutions very closely. And you wonder whether that's a bit of kidology there. Leaving Rodri on for the full night and bringing Ferner off after 60 is almost inviting Pochettino to assume that Fernandinho starts. And then, bang, the team could come out tonight and it could just be Rodri. And it's just, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of something that Pep's decided to do to, to keep them guessing. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll just have to, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I keep yeah. forgetting that I'm hosting this podcast, Howard. I, I, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so used to being a guest now on podcasts that, <laughs> like, I go quiet because I'm like, right, host, say something. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm in charge of this. Right. So having seen last week's game, uh, what are, what's the key battle? If there is a key battle or what are the key battles that there are? Key battle. I think we put so many good players on the pitch. I don't think there is a key battle. But if you look at it from a City perspective, as we've got the lead and two away goals, the key battle is Neymar versus Diaz in a way, or Neymar versus our defence, or Andor Mbappe if he's there. So it's replicating that second half and cutting off the supply to them. So that, because if you do that, then City are, have got one foot in the final. Mm. because their goal, obviously they have other players who can score, obviously. Uh, and obviously like Di Maria for starters, but you, you know, front two of that talent and you negate their goal threat. And let's not forget Mbappe didn't have a shot on target or shot at all, I don't think, in the first leg. Then you are half, you're half, halfway to, to get into the final, especially if we can get a goal ourselves, which you would hope we would. Yeah. So... There's, there's little battles all over the place. It is key that Rodri stroke Fernandinho position, as it always is, as it is for them, as to who they replace their, their suspended player with. 
and key battles again down the full back, down the width, basically. Yeah, it's all over the pitch, all over the pitch. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many you could pick out, really, is there not? Yeah, Foden against their backline, Mares, just loads of them. So, I don't think it all really rests on one key battle for me. Do you disagree, or do you think um, there's one that stands out above yeah. all of us? Yeah, I do. I think the, I think the key battle is uh, is midfield. I think the key battle is Paredes, Gondo, um, Rodri, or or Ferner, um, and Bernardo, and and how they how they deal with whatever Paris do in the middle there. Whether it's uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure what how he will play it. It could be Danilo Pereira and Paredes. Um, I think they do have a couple of other options that they could try, but I think that for me, the first half, yeah, sorry, Di Maria, I'd throw Di Maria in there as well. I think for me, the first half, that that's where they took control of the game was in those midfield areas, was the fact that, you know, they could transition because they were faster to second balls, uh, snapping into challenges, winning the ball off us, and then breaking at, at speed and at pace. And I think that what we need to show tonight is much bigger bollocks, for want of a better word, in the first 30. We need to play like Man City. We need to make sure our passes connect. We need to make sure that we're aggressive in the press, that we don't give them the time, their footballers, the time to get comfortable in the game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So... Do we have a left back problem? Mm, interesting question. No, I th- well, I think we think, do we, that Zinchenko comes in for this game? Is that a problem? The fact that we have gone Zinchenko, Cancelo, Zinchenko without because you know what was it? Zinchenko played. Uh, Cancelo played the first leg at, at, at Dortmund and Zinchenko played the second. Is that right? I or can't remember I that far back. <laughs> have I completely made that up? Well, I guess the point I'm making is that it, it doesn't feel like there's a, a standout candidate because a week ago we were all going, well, it's got to be Cancelo because of his performance yeah. in the uh, in the League Cup final. Um and then he goes and does his thing and then Zinchenko comes on and then suddenly we're like, oh my God, Zinchenko's the guy. Um, does that actually point to the fact that that's just a problem area? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, neither's a left back. So <laughs> in that respect, it's a problem area. But okay. Zinchenko has definitely won me around that he can just be considered a left back now. That we stop, you know, that I need to stop saying that. Mm. Uh, I think, but really, it's not about me or you or any City fan. It's Pep. Pep having the trust that he can put him on as left-back in the semi-final of the Champions League. Now, he was electric when he came on last week as a sub. Was a substitute appearance enough for Pep to trust him? That's the key. Uh, it's the worry of a counter-attack and pace. So compelling to Pep that he'll stick with Cancelo. Uh, I don't have strong preferences, but I think Zinchenko's earned his right to start. So. Mm, I think so too. I think you know it, it almost. I think it almost comes down to 
the amount of control that we seem to have after Zinchenko comes on. And I think that, you know, Pep will look at it and go, that's absolutely what I want. Because that, if we can go 0 to 45 and even not score the goals, but just control the football in, in the way that we did in the second half, then you're halfway there, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? So it keeps possession as well, so well, Zinchenko. Yeah. So under pressure too. I mean, look, he's, he's, he's also got. I mean, I guess that's the thing, and this is where that's why I kind of facetiously asked that question about do we have a problem at left back? Because it's like he also, because he's a midfielder, he he's he's had moments where he's played a pass and it's been a bit like, oh no, do you know what I mean? Because you're at left back, you're not in, you're not playing in attacking midfield where you you play a seven yard pass and it's a yard off and somebody collects the ball and you've given it away, it's turnover. At left back, when you do that, the the guy you've given a the ball to probably has got a straight run into your box. So I guess that that's the, uh, the other side of that, but no, he's definitely, he's definitely very, very, very confident on the football. Um, I want to, it's kind of a selection question again. Uh, I'm, what I'm looking for in a lot of these questions is I'm trying to preempt what people will describe as a pep overthink or a curveball, right? So I'm just trying to look at where are the places where something might happen that we weren't quite expecting. So another one for you. Um, And this is kind of connected to Laporte, right? So Laporte scored in the League Cup final. And because he played so well, and because of Stones' red card, I felt like Laporte might keep his place and play in the first leg against Paris. Obviously, he doesn't. It ends up being Stones and Diaz. Um, Is there any chance whatsoever that Guardiola goes back to Laporte tonight? Or do you think that it's just Stones, Diaz? No, there's there's no reason to overthink anything. I said the only only reason you would overthink is if you flip those halves last week. Mm. So Stones was excellent. So there's literally no reason. I thought, yeah, Laporte was good, good against Spurs. I didn't think it was amazing. And look, look, apart from Zinchenko, Cancelo issue, I just don't think there's any discussions really that Pep needs to have about the lineup. Because mm. yet again, it's not it's not the players. <laughs> you know, he turned that game around because of where he positioned the players. So that's what he's got to think about. The pressing, look, there, yeah, there's so many little things that Pep does. It's like, you know, the interchangeability, obviously, of our false nines and Mara's drifting in, inverting players, dropping, you know, someone like Fernandinho dropping into a back three, the different formations where we're in and out of possession. They're the things he needs to worry about, think about, uh, obsess about. I don't think personnel-wise he needs to think about anything whatsoever for me. Mm. because of that second half, because he saw that the players can do it when you allocate the right system to them. So, Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely, uh, I would absolutely go along with that. I, I mean, mean, if he I just think... throws a spanner into the works, then that's just asking for trouble in a way. Yeah. If he plays the same team as the first leg and we lose, then so be it. You can just say, look, we played a world-class team, and it's over two legs, it wasn't quite enough. That's I've always said that's okay. Yeah, that's life. But if you start overcomplicating things and we lose, then he's just gonna get so much pressure put on himself again that he made a decision he didn't need to that 
knocked us out of the tournament. So mm. just mm. put your put your team out that won away last week and trust in it. And as we've said before, I think he's got so much trust in this team now anyway. But you'd be okay with Sinchenko and, and Ferner coming in, yeah? That wouldn't constitute an overthink. No, because it's not it's not changing the I mean it's not really changing the systems formation or anything like that. I think if you if you're saying Laporte coming in for Stones, I guess that doesn't, but they were excellent even in that first half I don't think DS or Stones let us down and when you do it in look Fernandinho can come in and do the same job as Rodri if you bring in Laporte in again you can say well it's still just two central defenders but it because of the feet they kick with it just changed things a little bit I don't know I just I, Stones and DS were excellent I just see no reason to change that and Zinchenko coming in for Cancelo I expect him to do a similar role. I just think he was brilliant at it when he came on compared to Cancelo, who I think was playing better in that second half, like most of the players, but yeah, was pretty sloppy in the first half. So I see your point. I'm just, I have, have kind of contradicted myself by saying a couple of changes might happen and I'd be fine with them. What I don't want Pep to do is change the shape whatsoever. I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think that you. I don't think that. Um, I think you know part of part of Pep's calmness. I think comes from trust in the eleven that he's been yeah, picking belief, more or less yeah. regularly. Yeah, um, and I think that if you can trust them to go away from home and just be themselves, then you absolutely double down on trusting them to be themselves at home. So I just I think it's impossible that, that Guardiola does something that people would constitute to be an overthink. I think, you know, Zinchenko can come in and potentially Fernandinho can come in. Um, oh, I'll throw this last one to you. Um, Bernardo for Sterling or for Jesus. Uh, is that something that interests you, even as a conversation? Hang on, you say drop Bernardo? Yes, for one of No, 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 no. Jesus. No. Absolutely not. Okay. Right, that's cool. Same, that's, that's same front, whatever. Yeah, five is it? No, well, let me do my sums. Five, six. Yeah, front five as last time, please. Mm. I think obviously you got Mara's Gundogan, Foden, Kevin De Bruyne are just obvious picks, like ridiculously obvious. But I think Bernardo's not far behind either, to be honest. Maybe he wasn't the most, you know, involved perhaps, but still everything he gives, the work rate, skill on the ball, uh, and how he will ha- he helped pressure that part of that press in that second half. Now I think the top the front five is absolutely nailed on for selection. Okay. I would I would go along with that, to be honest with you. After the palace to- review, we can't really yeah, Put forward no. an argument for Jesus, can we? So. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, I, I don't want to see any changes to the front line. I have to be honest with you. I think that I want to see exactly the same front bunch of lads as we saw. Uh, yeah, yeah. We saw There's a different, slightly different argument late on if he wants to bring subs on to see mm. out a game and stuff like that and work their defence. But obviously, starting not a chance. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would go along with that. 
Um, hey, I think I think we've kind of dealt with the team. Uh, I think we kind of dealt with Paris. How do you feel about getting this far, Howard? Uh, well, as I may have mentioned on Twitter briefly, the last time we did it was on my birthday, and we we jogged around the pitch in Madrid and went out tamely and limply, and it took me months to get over that because they didn't even seem to try in that second half. My view is this. People are... I'm probably saying this just to calm my own nerves. People people are saying that this is the biggest game ever. It's not. Because the way I see it, it should be the start of normality for the future. Mm. In that, and I probably said this on the preview last week, City should be getting regularly, don't have to be every season, but regularly to semi-finals. And when they do... We don't build them up as like the be all and end all. I'm, we've we've made progress by getting to this point, but obviously, the situation we're in at this halfway point, we have a chance, a chance to win the Champions League. It's it's not the same because we're not there, but it's still the Champions League. So you know, it, it's the achievement is the same even if yeah. we're not there. And I just think the atmosphere tonight would have been. Amazing, absolutely amazing in the ground. Mm. You know, as we kicked off. So it's a shame in a way, but that is what it is for all. You know, there's been plenty of to say that about a lot of games over the past year and we'll be back in there soon. So look, I've said it and I'll say it again. If we go out, if we don't win the Champions League, this season's been a success. But we have a chance to make it more than a success, to make it one of the best seasons in the club's history. Yeah, perhaps the best. So He's called it a free hit. It's, yeah, kind of. Just if Pep's calm and the players are calm, then they can do this. No two ways about it. Mm. That concerns me. That's my concern in a way is that it's not how good the players are. It's if they go out there with the belief that they'll win and if they concentrate, then they will do it tonight. No doubt about it. I think the, uh, I think the second half performance, um, was key to having that confidence today. And I think that the fact that the second half performance was at the level it was at, I think there'll be a, I think the players themselves will be confident and I would expect them not to be scared of Paris in the way that they were in the first 20, 25, uh, last week. Um, what's your relationship like with the Champions League right now, Howard? Something that we've not really... You know what's interesting? The behind-closed-doors thing has meant a lot of narratives that we get every season. We've not had this season. And one of the biggest ones is City fans hate the Champions League. We don't care about it because we hate UEFA. Now, I somehow feel as though the Super League stuff has changed. Like, people have... It's not that they love UEFA, but that, you know the landscape of football feels different. So within the context mm. of that shifts, mildly shifted landscape, do you care more this season? I think the key point is that the better you do in a competition, the more you care about it. It's very easy to say we don't care about the Champions League when we haven't never won it and get knocked out of it. Uh, would we not want to win the league if we started hating the Premier League, if they did something and banned us or something? 
Uh, no. Look, the league is always the first most important thing. That's why I keep going on. Because we will win the league this season. This season mm. is a success. Always. Nothing will change there. It's just, I didn't, you know, there's a point in my life I didn't think we'd ever win it. And I'll never get bored of winning it. Because you spend all summer. My rivalries as a fan are with other fans of English teams. It's not with Real Madrid fans, Bayern Munich fans, Barcelona fans. And that tribalism. And it's the bread and butter. It's 38 games. It's a huge test of how good a team is, where the Champions League is at the end of the day, after the boring league stage, a knockout where anything can happen. You know, tiny, tiny lines. I think, I think the UEFA is a bit of a red herring. I think it's, we've right to hate UEFA for certain things, but I think the love for the competition will grow from the fans when we win it. Simple mm. as that. Or if we I keep getting so. further into the competition. I because, so. as I said, there's never... Group stages are boring and the atmospheres are terrible. But the atmospheres at knockout stage has never, has always been brilliant. Just yeah. think about that first half against Liverpool, the game against Spurs. So the most electric atmosphere. So don't don't believe this yeah, message that we don't care about it. We do. But if you win the league, it's a bonus. And... I don't believe that we need to win it either. That's rubbish. Need to win it for what? I don't, you know, it doesn't really make any sense to me. Do our owner, does our owner need to win it? Well, no. It's, the investment is already a huge success and it will be. And, you know, it'll keep, go up in value. It'll make them money. It's an investment. Obviously, nothing, it'll help to win nothing it. Nothing pisses but- me off more than when the media, and they all do it, say, uh, Sheikh Mansour didn't buy Manchester City to win the Premier League. He bought it to win yeah. the Champions League. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He bought it to build a successful football club, and that means winning everything. So, of course, he wants to win everything every year. He's not obsessed with the Champions League. City aren't obsessed with the Champions League. Pep's not obsessed with the Champions League. You dickheads who write about it are obsessed with City winning the Champions League because it's the only thing we've not won. And once we've won it, you'll have to find a new narrative. Sorry. Correct. It's a, we'll take, we own by an investment company. I don't. Maybe I'm forgetting an interview where he said early doors. Oh, the Champions League is everything. But the fact is, nope. it's an investment that's going up in value. Don't have to look past that. Uh, our owners doesn't, and I don't care if our owners do need it. Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Absolutely irrelevant anyway. I don't care what our owners. You know, it's we're fans, and you know, we'll discuss it as fans, irrespective of what our owners want uh, or need or whatever. So. Look, it it will be a huge weight off our shoulders if we win it one day. But for a lot of fans, they'd want to be there when we do. So, uh, but you don't get to pick and choose and write the scripts. And you know, if you get a chance to win it, you go for it. So, and we're in an excellent position right now. Lovely. You know what, Howard? I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Then I'm wrapping this up. Does City go through tonight? It's going to be nervy, but yes, we're going through. Nice. Score draw. I uh, I feel the same way. I'm not sure about a score draw. I actually think that City will nick it on the night, but I think it will be nervy. Um, yeah. But I expect us to uh, to get over the line. Excellent. Right, Mr. Hawking, you can now go and have a pub lunch with your parents and try I can't. and... I can't because the pub shut due to the weather. So what? Weather pub shut. Oh no! Health and safety. 
Oh, Welcome no. to the UK, where rain comes sideways and it's 10 degrees in May, so... I'm sorry, mate. I'm so sorry. Well, listen... So we are, going to, we are going to look around and try and find somewhere else, but the weather's not great. It's quite windy, you see, as well, so... Looks like a McDonald's drive through for my birthday. I'm just <laughs> living the dream. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, whatever you do, have yeah. a lovely afternoon. Cheers. Um, yeah, just have a lovely afternoon, a lovely birthday afternoon. Uh, to everybody who listened, uh, thanks for listening. That's the first thing. Go over to the 9320 pod Twitter feed and follow us if you don't already follow us. Tell your friends who are City fans if you like what we do. Um, be relaxed this afternoon. Enjoy the game tonight. Stay safe. Be well. And as always, up the blues. <laughs>